You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 38. It was like 10, 10.31 a.m. And our, you know, son came into the world. Yeah, he came loud and he was louder than anybody. <laughs> and he cried. And the whole room just stops. Like, it just stops on a dime. And he's crying. And we started just going, hey, hey buddy. buddy. you're okay. Hey, you did such okay. a good job. Good job. Like, it's your birthday today. Like, good job, buddy. You did so good. And, every, and he stopped, and stopped crying. crying. Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. If you enjoy this show, we'd be incredibly grateful if you'd share it with a friend. You can follow and share our posts on social media at Birth Matters NYC or simply tell them to search for Birth Matters wherever they listen to podcasts. Hey there, friends. If you're listening around the time this goes live, I hope you're continuing to hang in there and staying safe and healthy at home in these challenging times. I just wanted to remind you that throughout this pandemic, Birth Matters has created a COVID-19 resources page on our website for expectant parents. Read about the latest research as it relates to pregnant people and babies, tips for giving birth in this time, stress management strategies, and other resources over at our website at birthmattersnyc.com slash COVID-19. Also, Birth Matters has partnered with The Root Therapy NYC to provide an ongoing weekly support group for expectant parents. The Root Therapy is also offering a new parent support group as well as other group options. For more information, email contact at therootherapynyc.com. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Birth Matters is offering a huge discount on our online on-demand course because it's more important than ever to get equipped for the best birth possible. Our heart goes out to the families whose hospitals have canceled birth classes across the country or who are experiencing severe financial hits right now, and we don't want costs to be a barrier. You can find the promo code and sign up over at birthmattersnyc.com. Also, our regularly scheduled live group classes that are normally in person are temporarily being held on Zoom, and we're also doing virtual private sessions. So please know that you can prep for birth and parenthood in whatever format works best for you and wherever you are. Again, you can register for any of these class formats over at birthmattersnyc.com. This is the last week in our series of cesarean birth stories in observation of Cesarean Awareness Month. Be sure to follow us over on Instagram or Facebook, both at Birth Matters NYC, for some educational content on this topic. Today's episode is part two of an epic birth warrior story that goes in all kinds of unexpected directions. So if you didn't hear part one, be sure to back up and give part one a listen before listening to this one. Now let's jump back in. So now the shift change has happened. We have completely new nurses. And the woman comes, the one nurse comes in to check me and she's like, you're at one centimeter dilated. I don't know who told you three. Thank you for that. Thanks so much. So I was like, really? I was like, excuse me. Yes. And she was like, yeah, you're at one centimeter. Like you've got a long way to go. Cool. Thanks. 
awesome. So can I get another nurse, please? (laughs) I will say like that team of nurses, they were just very blunt and straightforward. They were super lovely by the end of the next day. But that's where we were at. I was like, you are new. I've never seen you. (laughs) It's crazy since I've been here forever. (laughs) So then all of a sudden my contractions are back and I'm like, okay. So I call the nurses in and I'm like, I have, they are completely back. And I'm going through the hardest contractions at this point. And so I'm not talking through them. And like, I had small snippets of time to talk to them. And at that point they're like, okay, well we can call the um, Anesthesiologist. anesthesiologist. We're going to tell you he's going to give you two options. One, to redo it completely, which he's not going to want to do. Or two, he's going to just push more anesthesia. He wants to do a top off. A top. They call it a top off. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I went, that makes no sense if it's not working. To push more? To that push doesn't make more. any sense. Yeah. So this guy comes in, and let me tell you, this was the one person that we ran into. Like, the one nurse you said I was at one centimeter dilated. I was like... Okay, whatever. I can like disregard you. Not as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this guy was not a very nice person at all. He insisted on topping off. He wasn't going to redo it. Um, and at that point, like the nurses were all, everybody was very quiet. And I was the only one going through contractions. And I just turned to him and I said, you are going to redo it. It's not working. Oh, and he said to me, this is what it, this <laughs> is where it got good. Because he said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but an epidural is not going to last forever. And, uh, I just want to let you know, you know, labor is painful, right? And I was like, uh-huh. I'm well aware. Ow. Can I just punch you right now? <laughs> I've never met anyone in my life. Oh. A bigger need of a kick in the balls than this man yeah. ever. I almost had to be physically restrained because... I bet. Would, so what would happen is he would be talking... And at this point, Sarah's contractions would be like, again, kind of like a minute apart, if that, maybe 30 seconds. And they would go. And they they were strong. And they were pretty consistent on like big, strong contraction, 30 second break to a big, strong contraction, like pretty patterned up. And this guy would continuously just talk through a Yes. Because no. he would just kind of ramble from point to point to whatever is, it was coming out of his dumb mouth. And so... Someone needs to move him into a yes. different department. And I almost had to... I almost yelled at this man of like... To tell him, you know, you have a minute. Think it through. Form your thought. Put it out. And then you have another minute to get the next thought ready. Which at that point I could see Chris was gonna blow a gasket and so i was like listen. the nurses could also see i was like listen you're gonna redo it yeah. this is this is where we're at you're gonna redo it you're gonna come in and you're gonna redo it because it's not working and you're not gonna push more you're just gonna redo it because that's what you're gonna do and he was like okay well just so you know you'll probably go through like five to ten really hard contractions while i'm doing it and you have to remain completely still or else it will just mess the whole thing up and i was like cool. yeah <laughs> sure get right so then, they made it. so then they made everybody leave they redid it it didn't it did it worked the, the second time it worked he like did it it didn't take that long i did have to go through a couple hard contractions and he was very very his bedside manner was terrible like he at one point was like pushing my shoulders and i was like okay i got this okay god you're going to help me out with this one cuz i need to just like be calm 
And let me say, before he walked in to, to redo it, because he had to like go do something, I don't know, get something or whatever. Once he left, the nurses said to us, we 100% agree with you. The reason we did not speak up is because we need him to come back later. And so we kind of need to be nice to him because he's the only one here yeah. that can do this. He can't refuse something. Like Yeah. So so I like kind of understood that. I was like, okay. Even though I was like, okay, okay, whatever. I can disregard you too now, man, um, sir, or whatever. So he redoes the epidural. It works the second time. I do remember feeling the first time more relief than the second time. The second time I could still feel pressure. Um, the first time I had no feeling whatsoever, like no feeling at all. No, I, I could like watch the monitor of my body going through contractions, but I couldn't feel them. Second time it was done, I had relief, but I could feel pressure. And so I was like, but I could feel relief and it was pressure enough that I could, I, I felt I could sleep through it. So I was like, cool. And we waited like an hour or whatever. Our doula was there. She stayed with us until we felt comfortable. She also at some point went out and got Chris She bought food. me a sandwich. She bought me a sandwich. Um, okay, Partners need to eat too. Uh, yeah, just if you're, if you're interviewing doulas out there, uh, and just ask, are you willing to buy me a sandwich? That, make that part of the interview process and yeah. if um, they say yes hire that person um i also was probably not the smartest thing i did but we were i was drinking coconut water the entire time so even though i was on like a drip and stuff like that like i our doula had brought coconut water and we had brought coconut water that we somehow got into our room um and so i was drinking coconut water like the entire my entire labor so maybe that was like the, the miracle juice that was like helping me with all of this but um mm -hmm. I just remember thinking, like, I feel like somebody's going to yell at me, but, like, I'm going to still drink out of this whole container. <laughs> um, and so get the epidural. Um, at this point, it's, like, close to what it's, time it was. It's like, the second one, it was, like, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. 11 and so yeah. we're like, okay, we're finally going to get a chance we're gonna to We're going to go to sleep. And I was so excited. And this. so, so we, excited. like, turned out the lights, laid down, and all of a sudden... I started hearing Emerson's heartbeat drop because the monitors are on. So I could hear like his beeping, his beeping. And I knew what it was because I'd asked like days before, like what the hell are all these beeping? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they're like, Oh yeah, that's his heart monitor. And so his, every time I would have a contraction, his heart monitor would, this, it would his stop. It would just drop. Yeah. Stop. So now all of a sudden I'm in a panic. I'm in panic mode and nobody's coming into my room. And I'm freaking out and Chris is trying to sleep and he's like, but if you're not sleeping, then I'm not sleeping. So he ended up in the dark, standing next to the bed, holding my hand as we're going through this. And finally, I'll, finally I was like, okay, oh, hey, I think I can sleep. Like nobody's coming in. Like it must be fine. Right? Like they would be coming in if there was an issue. That's, that was my feeling. So I was like, okay, maybe this is completely normal. Um, I think we might have called a nurse in and she was like, oh yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. Like he's fine. No, at one Not, point no, we called a nurse and a nurse came in and we were like, hey, his heart keeps dropping out. And they're like, oh yeah, oh, yeah no, that's, that's normal. Normal. And we're like, mm, that's probably something you should make us aware of that a heart just stopped. <laughs> so we're not freaking out. In the middle out. of labor. Yeah. They're like, oh, we, we see that. We're monitoring everything. So like, don't worry about this. So great. Oh, just, oh hey, no, heads no. Up. I know his it. heart's going to go no, this out. this is what happened. My heart. FYI. My heart rate started to speed up yeah. and they saw that. Oh, that's, so that's right. why they because came Because his heart was stopping. Okay. 
So Sorry. I was like, wait, there was a reason why, because we weren't going out there because we were like, nobody's coming in. Um, so my heart started to race and they came in, they were like, are you okay? What's going on? And that's when I told them, they're like, oh no, don't worry about it. Just try and sleep. And I'm like, great. With this giant monitor on that's like super bright and the beeping, that's the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, but I guess in we, their eyes, I had been there yeah. so long and not slept. They're probably like, oh, you can sleep through anything. Um, we also, well, I remember we also were like, it's a little hard for her to sleep with like all this beeping and stuff. And they went, oh yeah, we can turn like this off and this off and this oh, off yeah, and this yeah, off. Yeah. And again, started. I'm like, why are you waiting for us to ask yeah, that? Like, you know that off. we need to sleep. Just click it off. If you don't need it, just right? click it off. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh. Like a half an hour into that, all of a sudden, rush, uh, a door opens and nurse comes rushing in. We need to put a heart, we need to put a monitor on Emerson or on the baby. Cause right now we can't distinguish between your heartbeat and his heartbeat. I, I could be wrong with what they, the way they said Something it. They're like, like that. they're yeah. yours. They're on top of each other right now. And so we need yeah. to put an internal monitor. And yeah. I was like, okay, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Why not Just add another thing to the list? So I do remember thinking at that point while they're putting this on me, I was like, I went from a home birth with no monitor through wires to like the bionic woman. As many as possible. <laughs> bionic <laughs> woman. Um, you name a spot. There was a wire in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then by, so then they put the monitor on. Okay, go back to sleep. Which I'm like, there's like 12 wires coming out of me. It's so uncomfortable. I have to lay on my back. Like, this is so weird. And so just like every monitor, is there anything I can take off? No. Cool. Let's try to sleep. And then all of a sudden the pushing started and my body started to push. And so in my eyes, I like got this wave of nausea that I thought I was going to throw up. And then the pushing started. And in my eyes, I'm like, oh, we're there. We're there. We're pushing right now. Like this works. This is so great. I'm calling the nurse and she's like, oh no, you're still at I don't even know what they said dilated. You're still at four or no, no, maybe they didn't even check me. I don't know. She's like, no, this is not time to push. They just said, do not push. You need to pant. You need to lay over the back of the bed and pant. So I went from getting an epidural to sleep to now being on the back of the bed, hunched over the top. They had like the hospital bed and I'm over the top panting to try and get the pushing to stop, which no matter what I did, it just did not work. It's so bizarre because they're always saying, if you have a premature urge to push, don't do it. Yeah. You're not going to accidentally, I, I know what the concern is, but you're never going to accidentally push your baby out before it's time, you know, and yeah. a lot of, there's, yeah, there's some controversy about like, like, oh, this isn't supposed to be out yet. And then they just put it back in. They're, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that symptom of the premature pushing uh, urge to push is that one of the symptoms possibly of a baby with the, their back against the mom's back, the posterior yeah. position. That was one of the several things that made me, when I read your story, wonder about his position. But go ahead. Um, so at that point, I'm panting and panting and panting. And now in my head, I'm like, this isn't working. So let's see if I can, <laughs> in my crazy pregnant you know, laboring brain. I was like, if I shake and scream, maybe I will push the energy <laughs> other way, somewhere else, right? So I'm going to shake this bed and I'm going to scream and maybe it will stop me from pushing down, right? Because I'm forcing the energy somewhere else. Uh -huh. 
it did not do. <laughs> so I'm just like sitting there like shaking and, and screaming, not from pain, because at this point it's just pushing, you know, like it's just the urge to push. And now I'm feeling the contractions, the pressure of the contractions and the urge to push. And I'm starting to really actually feel the contractions again, but not as, they're not as strong, but they are as strong. Like I can see the strength of them. And so at this point, I, I just turned to Chris and I'm like, we need to call in the doctor. Uh, at this, I just don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where we're at, but we just need, I need somebody to talk to me and tell me like what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we called in the doctor and at, it's like, it's like five in the morning. Five in the morning at yeah. this point. It's five in the morning. And the doctor comes in. And first of all, you're never going to believe me when I say this. And I say it to everybody. But the doctor walked in. And I swear to you, the doctor was the actor Donald Sutherland. I swear to God. I swear to this is very true. much like Donald this is Sutherland. Exactly, <laughs> exactly the guy from The Hunger Games. He looked like him. He sounded like him. I swear to you, it's true. And so he sat down. And Super he, awesome. He was amazing. And he looked at us and he went, okay, here's the deal. We have two options here. Number one, the way that this center works is that you are allowed to labor for as long as you want. As long as mommy is okay and baby Baby's is okay, okay, we will not force you into anything you You can labor for as long as you want and that's a very rare statement it's very rare and he said mommy's okay and baby is okay so you can keep going if you want you guys are doing great and he said option two is what we usually call the throw in the towel method which is a c-section and he but he immediately followed that with but let me be clear you guys are not throwing in the towel. Because he said, wait, because he said to me, I can see how long you've been yes. doing this. And your water has been broken for, I can't remember at that point how, how long, 72 hours. Let's go. Um, and so he was like, we, you have every right to at this point say, you know what, I can't do this any longer. And also... If this is going to be traumatic for you, then we need to go in and get him out. Because I don't want you to feel traumatized by this experience. But we don't normally do this. And we're not, he's like, we're not um, like trigger happy on C-sections. And I was like, okay. And he said, I can even give you time to think about it. Because he's like, but let me check you first. Just let's see where you're at. Because nobody had checked me at this point, like for a while. For a while, um, since the last lady who said I was at one centimeter dilated, and at that point I was like, nobody else is checking me. I don't care. Like I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. My body's just gonna do what it's gonna do. So he checks me, and he's like, "You're at five centimeters dilated," and I'm like, five centimeters dilated? Cool." What does that mean? Like, I know what it means, but like my, nothing has been textbook. My contractions are insane. So at what point do we say like, enough's enough. Enough's enough. And he's like, I mean, I can't tell you a time then. And that's all I wanted at that point. I wanted like somebody else to make that decision for me because 
I didn't want to have to make that decision. Like, no, no, no. Mm. I've been laboring forever. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Somebody else needs to say like, okay, you're done. But like, that's not what you're saying to me now. You're telling me mm. I have to ask for a C-section. Well, that's not happening. <sighs> so at this point, I just turned to Chris and I, or no. So he said, um, I can give you a few minutes. Yeah. So we he had goes, him leave. Let me know. Because I, I oh, will. Oh, no, we asked for the minutes. Sorry. Yeah. We uh, asked. To so be given he said, listen, um, we, he said, you're at five centimeters. So you could be getting ready to go, like at, at any moment. Could be here. a few hours. Um, and, and that'll be it. He goes, but if you want a C section, we have the room ready. Yep, we'll it's prepped wheel right you now. It's prepped right now for you guys. You can go right in. Um, if you. And we were like, are you going to be the one to do it? He said, if you say, if you want to do it right now, it'll be me. But the shift change But he happens. said, but he said specifically, do not let that be yeah, the reason. Yeah, but don't let that be the reason that you do it. Don't let that be the reason. Because we were really comfortable with him and let him know. We were like, thank you so much. And at that point, we had, um, we were like, okay, we need a few minutes to, th- to talk over. Yeah. Um, and he also, every contraction I had would stop talking and be like, okay, this way. Bless him. Yeah, and then he would start back on. Okay, you feel good? Great. This is, and then my next contraction would happen like super quickly. They were on top of each other. So yeah. he didn't have very much time. So we like sat there with him for like 15 minutes while he was talking um, for like the smallest speech ever. Um, so then we asked him to leave and he said, oh, great, I'll give you guys 10 minutes. We decided to call our midwife because I was like, I can't. <laughs> I'm not in the right yeah. state of mind to think about this. When we called our midwife, she said, well, five is really good, Sarah. Like, do you feel like you could go a little longer? Because uh, like five is that hump. Like you just want to get there and then you, like you should be able to get over it. Like you, and you've got the epidural. So like, if you can give it a few hours, maybe your body can get to where you want it to be. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but at that point, again, I was just tired. I just wanted somebody to be like, okay, yeah. Sarah you did a great job. Like we're going in. Um, or I didn't know what I wanted. I just didn't want it. I wanted more answers than I was getting. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I finally turned to Chris and I was like, you have to make this decision because I can't, I can't make this decision. Um, I can't, I can't ask for a C-section. It goes against everything in me to ever do that. Even, but if you think that like, this is what we need to do, then like, let's ask for it. And which and was Chris, the- no pressure. Yeah, oh. it was the question I or the 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 conversation that I have been dreading mm. from moment one. Um, in and, which like, in which case you said I can't. Yeah, I was, and it, so can't. she said you got to make this call, and I was like I cannot make this call. I was oh. like I was like here's the deal, and we're crying at this oh, yeah, point. And, crying. and I said here's the thing, I I, I cannot make this call because what's going to happen is if I make this call and I say to do a C-section, you're going to come out of this and you're going to go, what if we had waited one more hour? What if we waited one more hour? What if we waited one more hour? And I was like, I can't, I can't be the one you have wanted this your whole life. And this is the, I know it's now nothing like it was, but a I was like, at this point, even just a vaginal birth, like we are just holding on to the so one like last one thread of the thing that you wanted. Um, and I had, I mean, when we were back at our home and, and Cher looked at us and said, I think it's time for a transfer. I lost it. 
I mean, I just started weeping uncontrollably um, because all I knew is that my wife had wanted something and she can't have it. Every time we went through a transition, we're like, I had to do something that I didn't want. You know, I wanted no, no medication, no epidural at home. So anytime we transferred, Chris was a mess. And I was just like, okay, let's move on. lost it like a tiny school girl. We're good. It's okay. I'm okay. Let's move on. Like, we're okay. We're going to the next step. And then, like, the epidural happened and he also lost it. And I was like, it's okay. We're going to the next step. Yeah. And then, like, at this point, we're both crying. Yeah, and I'm just so like, we're both crying. And I was okay, like, I can do this. I can't. The shift I was like, changes. I can't. I was like, let's just give it a, a little more time. And that was my way of, like, I knew if I, I had a feeling, like, if I said something like it, let's just give it a little more time, then we'll probably forget about it in some sort of, like, not forget, forget, but, like, I can now push this up a little longer and maybe <laughs> we will get over that hump or something, uh, something is going to happen that's going to make the call for us. Yeah. Yeah. So we called him back in, um, and we said, we had talked during that point when we were both, like, crying, and we were both just, like, we feel really comfortable with him. Like, when is his change? Because we would rather, like, him if do we're gonna C- do If we're going to do a C-section, he made us feel so comfortable. Like, let's have him do it. And when he came back in, we asked him when his shift change was because we were like, okay, we're going to wait. But, like, we're going to give it a few more hours and see where I'm at. And then, like, and then move from that point, because um, I'm not traumatized right now. I don't think that I will be. So, like, let's just keep going. And he was like, okay. And that's when he said, do not make me a factor in this. Because the girl that's coming in, the woman, that, the doctor that's coming in after, she's young and she's amazing. And she is probably better than me. <laughs> she's a... He's like, so don't make that a factor. All of our doctors are good, but she's amazing. And so you will have a great doctor no matter who does it. Hmm. So let's just get you through what you got to get through. And I was like, okay. So, so we labor more. We labored for more um, until, so that's like, at that point it was like probably six o'clock in the morning. Um, we knew the shift change was at nine. And then at nine o'clock she was going to come and check me. So for three more hours, we like labored, um, still with the urge to push um, that whole time, which was just like crazy. Like, and nurses were coming in trying to help, but and at one point they were like, they were trying to put me in different positions, and I just remember having to climb over. So climb I'm standing on the bed at this point. I'm standing on the bed, um, which is hilarious because like once you get an epidural, they won't let you get out of the bed, but you can totally stand. <laughs> you can stand on the bed. Technicalities. There's like three, like there's two nurses and a midwife helping me like climb over all of my wires to get into a new position. Anytime I had to like switch a position, I had like 70 wires to climb. (laughs) Um, And bit of an obstacle course. Right. Because they they wanted me to like get on, like do another position that we'd already been all in where like I had my, like my bottom up in the air and I was like laying on my chest, even though I had done it like several times. They're like, let's try it again. Knee chest position. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Um, that's usually what we do to try to turn a posterior baby. So I almost wonder. I did it a lot uh and I did it a lot in like uh, in the hospital I don't remember doing it. I just remember my midwife and like the nurses being like, oh no, no, we tried. Cause I was like, maybe if I had just tried that one position and they were like, oh no, we tried. 
cried that Sarah several times. Um, and so I do remember being in that position that that morning and then them trying to get me. And then I was like, no, this isn't, it doesn't feel right. And so then they had me, like, so then I climbed back over my wires and I was again leaning over the back of my bed and the nurses were shift changing. Um, and the nurse that I like went through a really strong contraction and I pushed and all of a sudden there was just a gush of water that just like fell like into the bed. And I was like, oh my gosh, again, like more water and more fluid. And they're like cleaning up and I was like, oh, it's green. And they're like, oh, don't worry about that. And I'm like, that doesn't like green to me means infections. So I'm like, that to me has not been that color. So what is that? And she was like, oh, it's just a little meconium. Like it's not a big deal. And I was like, and I, at that point, turned to Chris, and I'm like, we're done. Bring it was, in, bring in, bring I mean, in, I'm done. Again, I'm done. that, that, wh- what I was done. saying with the epidural, where, like, all of a sudden my wife was back, she had been gone, and as soon as somebody said the word meconium, I've, I've never seen a recovery like this before she went. C-section, we're doing it. Like, literally, I swear she bring made this motion. She did the little, ra- like, wrap it up yep. motion. She went... C-section, let's do it. Yep, get them in here. And we're done. like, done. There's your clarity. That was my, that was it for me. I was like, because to me, the one thing I've always, I'd always known, and the one thing that my mom had talked about is my sister had pooped and had meconium come out. And um, Mm -hmm. my sister was in the NICU. Uh, So my mom had always talked about how she had gone home without a baby and it was the hardest thing she ever had to do. And I was like, done, finished. Like, this is it. And they're like, oh no, like, it's okay, Sarah, don't worry. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, you guys are still doing good. Like, there's no heart rate issues. Like, and the nurse turned to me and she was just like, she said, Sarah, they're going to come in here and check you. And please, if they say that you can go longer, please, please try. Because she was like, I know that you've been here and I've seen what you've done, but I really know how much you want that that vaginal birth and if you can just hold on if they tell you you can hold on please just try and I just looked at her and I was like okay <laughs> like in my head going okay like if they tell me I mean obviously if they tell me I can continue like I'm not the type to give up and this whole time if you've known anything through this story it's that like uh-uh <laughs> you tell me I can go longer I will go longer um and so I just remember at that point we're waiting for the shift change and I looked I just like looked out the window because I just thought this was like again had this like moment of clarity of going like this is my this is where we're at like I just laughed because I was like I am my birth like my birth plan was to be at my house in my bed having our child like or on our toilet whatever like in our element having it's gonna be this beautiful experience with no wires attached to me. And here I am, the bionic woman, attached to as many wires as I, I can't even turn over by myself right now. I'm like, all I can do is sit here and like stare at the wall or look out the window. And I remember looking out the window and there was the most beautiful sun sunrise ever. Um, and the one good thing about our midwives is she came in immediately and was like, you will have these windows open. You will look out at the sky. You are going to look out and see that there's other life. It is not just these walls. Oh. You are, this is what you're going to, you know, like, this is what you're going to remember, Sarah. Like, this is what you're going to see. Um, and so we had every morning, like, 
pulled open the street, like we opened it up. We even sometimes left them open at night so that we could see the, the like the city lights. Yeah. yeah. Cause we were like, we are not, this is not where we're at <laughs> here in this beautiful sunrise now. Um, and I just remember being like, okay, it's a beautiful sunrise today. And I am at some point going to have this baby. <laughs> so if this is the day I want to remember this, this like, you know, like laughing to myself about like where I'm at and being okay with it and looking out at this beautiful sunrise and seeing that, but somebody bring this doctor in. Um, and so finally at nine 30, the doctor came in and she checked me and she said, Sarah, you're at five and a half. Um, and at this point, your water has been broken for 91 hours. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because we had, um, the final, or 91 and a half or something like that, because the final total was 92 hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. From him coming out was 92 hours. She's like, um, it's 91 hours and we're, um, I don't feel comfortable letting you go any longer. So, um, and by the way, most hospitals only allow like 24 to 36 hours before they're like done. Yeah. So that was very generous. I'm, I'm happy yeah. to hear that they gave you that long. Honestly, in the absence of an infection, of signs of an infection, there's really no reason to do a C-section at 24 to 36 hours. Right. 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 Um, mm -hmm. And, um, and so by the, t like at that point she was like, okay. And um, at that point our midwife showed up. Yeah. We, Cause um, we had called her at 6am and she was like, well, I will be there in a little bit. Let me, get everything ready and I'm going to come over. She's like, I'm going to be and there with you she's guys. Like, Try. And that was, I think that was one of the reasons she was like, if you can hold out, hold out. Cause I'm going to come and like, <laughs> I'm going to try and get there around eight o'clock or so. Um, and she rolled in, I think she rolled in at like nine. Yeah. She came in at nine right before it was and, like, right. And it was just change. actually, I remember her walking in just as we, just after the moment you had decided to have a C-section. Yeah. After the meconium happened, she walked in and at the, at the sight of her, like Chris and I both just started crying. crying. We're, there was some sort of comfort in, in like our midwife, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, sure. Our, um, our head when we couldn't be ahead and she was there to like help us through when we felt we couldn't go any further. Um, and so she was like this white light, shining white. It was like, Oh, thank God. Oh yeah. Um, was this Carol or Cher? It was share. I just love both of them so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she came in and we just started crying and she, we told her, you know, what it was. And she was like, okay. And like when the doctor said C-section, she was like, okay. And then um, I just remember saying at that point, the doctor was like, I, we're going to do a C-section. And I turned to her and I said, um, through, I was like still having contractions because she had to check me um, and I was still having contractions through that. And I remember I had a huge contraction and then I turned to her and I was like, I just want to let you know, I want to have a be back after this. So <laughs> what you have to do, mm. make that possible. <laughs> <laughs> like, great, I can do that. And so she left um, and Cheryl was like, great, I'm going to help get your stuff together. And she said, Sarah, you have essential oils with you, right? And I said, yes. And she goes, what do you want to, what do you want to be smelling when your son comes into the, to the world? And I think I was like lavender. So um, she gave me like a Kleenex with, la she like doused it in lavender and put it in my hand and they wheeled me out. And, and I was with Cher. Yeah. And you were with Cher. And I began to cry. Again. <laughs> and 
unbelievable <laughs> crying. Uh, and then they wheeled me into um, into the operating room. And I remember looking at everybody and I was just like, hey guys, thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> We're going to have a baby. <laughs> Still and being they, the warrior. <laughs> and they were like, um, you were a home birth transfer? And I was like, yup. <laughs> and they were like, I've never, this is a first, like we've never seen somebody, like usually women at this point are like bawling. They were like, I, I've never witnessed this before. And I just remember looking around my room and it was all women. Um, every nurse that was in my room, except for Chris, Chris was the only man, well, and then Emerson, I guess. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Um, but I was, I just remember feeling super empowered by that. Like my team of like strong women yeah. that are going to take and help me get through this next stage that we didn't think we were going to have to go through, but like, here we are. So anyway, then anesthesiologist, female anesthesiologist comes in <laughs> and she's like, She's like, okay, you can, uh, I'm going to put this whatever medicine in and I want you to, I'm going to put a piece of ice on you and I'm gonna, I want you to tell me if you feel it, if it's cold. And I'm like, well, I can feel it. Yeah, it's cold. She's like, yeah, yeah, but it's not really cold. It's just like you can feel it like it feels a little cold, like, like wet, but not like cold. And I'm like, no, 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 it feels cold. And she just kept saying it over and over again. And I'm like, no, 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 it feels cold. Like it feels cold. And she's like, okay, but not, not super cold. I'm like, well, no, not super cold, but it feels cold. And she's like, cool. So then, like, as they're, like, doing work, which a C-section, I mean, I don't know what other women feel, but, like, I could feel, like, they were, like, pulling me around. Like, I could feel all of the, the pulling and pushing. Pulling, yeah. Usually I, you can feel that. At one point I was like, um, am I, like, shaking this whole, like, this is crazy. Like, I couldn't focus on, like, the birth of my child. You know, like, what you're hoping to hear is, like, the cry. Like, I wanted to really be focused and I wanted to, to like cry when he came into the like world and Chris is holding my hand and I'm like, like, this is so weird. Like I can feel so much. And then the feeling started to come back on my toes. And then I was, I turned to the, I just turned my head to the anesthesiologist and I was like, so I can feel my feet. She goes, I can feel my toes. And she goes, and no, she goes, you no, can't. you can't. What? <laughs> what? I can feel like, I can listen to the woman. Yeah, I can feel like, the feeling started to come back in my legs and then I could feel my knees. Yeah. And then She's I was like, like, I, I can, can feel, feel I can feel my fingers, fingers. inside of me. Yeah. And she was she like, goes, I remember that she goes, no. wiggle your toes. And she looks over the curtain and she doesn't say anything. She just went, wiggle your toes. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to push more. Uh, and like, she just, <laughs> I'm going to push morphine. I'm going to push morphine. Um, it, it's a lot, but like, this. Yeah, I, I think this is gonna be okay. It's like <laughs> I don't like, normally do this, but but I think I'm gonna do it for you guys. And we're like, thanks, thanks for the hookup. Thank you. That's <laughs> we'll think of you. Thank you very so, much. Anyway, oh boy. So like that happens, and then I started to feel like I was gonna fall asleep, and I was like, no, I will not be asleep when this happens. <laughs> like I've waited days just to hear this cry, and so they did end up like you know finally you could hear him come out, and all of a sudden it was just like this cry, and. It was like 10, 10.31 a.m. And our, you know, son came into the world. Yeah, he came loud, out. And he was Or than anybody. <laughs> and he cried. And the whole room just stops. Like, it just stops on a dime. And he's crying. 
And we started just going, hey, hey buddy. buddy, you're okay. Hey, you did okay. such a good job. Good job. Like, it's your birthday today. Like, good job, buddy. You did so good. And, every, and he stopped, and stopped crying. crying. Oh, of course. I love that. He knows your voice. Yeah. <laughs> and then they brought him over and they did, you know, what they do. And they did the footprint and the... Showed they, him to so us. And like, yeah. I just remember, him off. I just remember looking at him and being like, huh. That's what you look like. Yeah. Like, <laughs> some reason, like, in the whole of my pregnancy, I never, like, yeah. thought about what he was really going to look like. You yeah. know, like, that never yeah. crossed my mind. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, I was like, you have really dark hair. Yeah. <laughs> there was, I remember. Why? You have was, a lot of hair. <laughs> they, it was an interesting moment because I remember they, they handed him to us or they showed him to us. And I remember looking at him for the first time. And this is... It's going to sound like a really weird reaction, but I looked at him and I went, that's not him. That's not ours. Because for nine months, you spend <laughs> you spend your time like imagining what this kid is going to look like and what he's going to be like and, and everything. And then the reality is it, he's not going to conform to what no. you imagined him to be. He's going to be his own person. <laughs> and uh-huh. they told him to me, and it wasn't the person that was in my mind. It was the person that actually came out. And we were like, oh my God. Um, and it wasn't a bad thing. It was just... Uh, it's such an interesting thing where yeah. they always kind of like when you say like uh, the, the labor is not like it is in movies and it's not like rushed and a lot of panting and things like that. The same thing was with, with those first moments of when you meet your child. Like I said, he, it's not this like perfect thing of like, it's, ex- you're, it's the child you imagine for nine I months know. and everything. They hand you this child and you go, this is a complete, Stranger. stranger. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Complete stranger. But that's kind of amazing that it's this, you instantly, you have this realization of like, oh, this is a person. This is their own person. This is, th- it, they are who they are and nothing you can do or will do is going to really change that. You're just going to have to kind of go along with, with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was, I remember that being my first reaction. And then, for us, like, like kind of what we said is like, it's, um, it's his, his story. Like it's Emerson's story. Emerson came into the world his own way on Mm -hmm. his own terms. Um, like strong little human being that he was like, I just remember they kept saying like, I've never seen an infant do that. Like they laid him on my chest immediately. Like they clean you up and, and when you're ready to go, um, and I don't even know what they, is it recovery? Recovery. The yeah. little the slotted rooms. Room. The yeah, in-between. recovery. Yeah. Um, uh, they like put him on my chest and he immediately grabbed my heart monitor wires um, and like nuzzled in, grabbed my heart monitor wires. And they were just like, like, okay, that's really cool. Um, and then they like, when they rolled him, rolled me in and they tried to like take him off so that they could take off some of like the, the monitors and wiring that, that I didn't need anymore. He wouldn't let go of me. He like wouldn't let go of those wires. And they're like, they couldn't get his hands open. And they were like, I did. We just never so see. Yeah, yeah. He's like super strong. We have, and they just kept saying like, we've never seen a baby do that. Like an infant do that. Or <laughs> and they, you know, they try and help you breastfeed right away, right? So they're like, they had a lactation consultant in there, and she's, she's like, okay, and this is how the hold goes. And I'm like, cool. And then like, she's like, okay, now I'm gonna try and help him latch. And like, 
she couldn't get his mouth open. She was like, he is resisting me so hard. I've never had an infant do this. She couldn't open his jaw. Yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> she couldn't. And I just remember like looking down at him and he, he wouldn't open for her. He, and he insisted on like, even seconds old, right? He's like an hour old at this point or something like seconds older, whatever. And he would not, he would not latch whatever way they wanted him to do. He would, he would, he would not, he would not open his mouth for them. He would like, he found it himself. He latched on. And when they were like, well, maybe try this latch or like, maybe I don't think he's like fully on properly. They'd like try and help him back off. And like, at that point I was like, let me try. Like maybe since I'm mom, he'll like let me. (laughs) He would like, he started to like let them kind of latch or he would like, like I'd like hold, you know, and you're trying to like get him on and he would latch for like a second and then he would pull off and go right back to where he was. And he just kept doing it and 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 doing it until I gave up. I was like, okay, he's got this. Like, I'm not, I'm like not going to help. Like he's got this. I'm not going to worry about it. Cause this is again, it just like reaffirmed in me everything that I had been thinking, which was he is very direct and I guess this is the way he wanted to come out. He's like, I'm not going through that tiny hole. Like <laughs> I'm not doing it. I need a grand entrance. Yeah, I need so. a grand entrance. <laughs> it's not it's gonna be, you know, um I'm gonna be the uh, uh what is it late for the fashionably late. Fashionably late. Yeah. Like I, he's like, hey mom, you're always fashionably late for everything. You know, you know what song just popped into my head is from Hamilton. Wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> that could be his little theme song is yeah. wait for it. Yeah. He made you wait for him. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I do remember at that point, um, I was just like, so like, I was just so astonished by like everything that had happened to us. Um, and I just remember turning to the doctor and being like, okay, now when can I stand up? And when can I shower? When- On to the next thing. Yep. I was like, okay, this is like, I'm, I'm awesome. Like how long do I have? And, um, and when can I, when can I get out of this bed? And how long, when can I stand up? And when can I take a shower? And, um, how long do I have to stay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. she was like, if you're feeling up to it, Sarah, I'll let you get up today. And if you can walk to the bathroom, then I'll have them put something over your, your um, C-section opening so you can shower tonight if you want. I'll make sure that I go and talk to them about that. She talked to, she ended up sitting and talking to us for this, the doctor that had done my C-section. She talked to us for an hour and a half while I waited um, in recovery. Um, uh, and for my my birth story and for as long as I was in labor and for as many people as I came into contact with and for all of the, all of what I went through. And my big thing for our, our birth story is that like, I don't ever want somebody to be like, Oh, but you are home birth transfer. Like, do you ever feel like bad about that? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't feel bad about everything that I had to go through. And I don't like, I'm not, I'm not traumatized by it. And I'm not going to let myself be traumatized because like someday Emerson may come to me and say like, mom, how did I come into this world? Or maybe every year I'll tell him how he came into this world. Mm -hmm. Maybe that will be like a tradition that we start once he can start remembering things. We'll make some for some very awkward (laughs) Christmas dinners, but (laughs) 
but, but like, I want him to know that like, I'm okay with what happened. Like I'm, I'm okay. Um, and in some ways I, I hope that this, our story reaches out to somebody who maybe, you know, didn't have the birth story that they, that they expected or didn't have the experience that they wanted. And I hope they latch on to like some of my positivity or can take away something that like, you know, when we had our midwives, our midwives came in after, um, and I went through a couple of different, like, I wasn't always positive, you know, cause I continued to say like, maybe if I did this, like, you know, guys, like maybe if I was in this position and they were like, no, Sarah, you were in that position. You and were in that <laughs> You did everything under the sun. No, but you do. Yeah. yeah. The sun um, and the stars. <laughs> I, I just hope somebody just takes away like that you can have a plan and be okay with that. But like, really, like, I, I know I, there are stories that are worse than mine, but, but rejoice in, in your birth story, no matter what it is. Because believe me, this, a C-section was the last thing. It was something I was terrified of. Um, mostly because I was going back to work a week after <laughs> Emerson was due. What? And granted, I have like a pretty cushy, I have a pretty cushy... Our employer was very understanding. Yeah, so it's, pretty cushy job yeah. where I could take Emerson with me uh, for that first, like, month of... Uh, my first month of work. And so I knew going into that, like, I, I had a finite amount of time to recover. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I can't have a C-section. Like, that will, that will totally throw, like... Our whole time My whole timetable off. And I can't do that because I've, I've got to be at work. You know, like, we have a schedule. Um, to keep, but like I said, I just want people to know that like, it's okay. And, and rejoice in the way that your child comes into this world because it is their story and you have your own birth story. Like mine is the way I came into this world and I could tell it to you a million times over because my mom has talked to me about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I asked, um, and it's my story and this is his story. And so I just, like I said, I, I very specifically remember the sun sunrise that was on the day that he was born and all of the, the, the many people that I came into contact with and our care was so amazing and my doula was awesome and Chris was amazing. And I think that's, that's fine. <laughs> uh, fine. That's fine. I hope that somebody hears this and maybe had a similar story to, as mine and can take away from that. Um, the, the, you know, the joy of what your child's story is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh. Thank you. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I just think that's such a beautiful attitude of selflessness. Yeah. Chris, well, do you have anything you'd like to also uh, share? Yeah. I mean, sorry. I think for anyone, listen, for any, any men that are listening out there that are getting ready to, to go through this one, I will, this is going to, again, I'm going to share just some blunt thoughts that I had. You will feel probably the most useless you've ever felt in your entire life because there's i mean you can do you can help in every way shape or form but you will very much be aware that you are not doing anything as far as like actually pushing a baby out so like it is it is a hundred you will feel completely useless like if you could settle into that and just go this is, she's got this and i'm gonna just try and help out as much as humanly possible but I'm, I'm just like a passenger right now, then you'll be okay. The other thing I, I will tell everyone, 
um, the one place where men have it harder for labor is that every woman I keep talking to after it gets done goes, you know, I could have another kid. I mean, labor is a great, I barely remember any of it. <laughs> you will, as a man, you will remember every graphic detail. <laughs> the rest mm. of your life. Mm. Like you will have lived and breathed with every minute of this. And every time she goes like, and then I think this happened, but I can't quite remember. You'll remember it. All right. You were there and it's there and it's just seared in your mind. And yeah. So that's the one part where I'm like, cause she'll go, yeah, if we had tried this position, I'm like, I know for a fact we tried that like four yeah. times. <laughs> Don't talk to me about times, that. <laughs> I remember it specifically. Uh-huh. Um, so there's, there's that. But other than that, I mean, it is just, uh, you know, you're just going to be there as much as you can. That's it. Just be, you have to just be present. Don't, this is not a time for you. I feel like, again, this is going to sound backwards. This, I don't think it's a time for you to take initiative because you need to be in the moment because it can change on a dime. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she needs will change on a dime. And if you're trying to anticipate, if you're over here trying to get something ready, she's not going to want it. You know, if you're, you think she wants a, a, a water birth and you're filling up a pool, that's going to be the moment she doesn't want the water birth. And you've been filling up a pool for 15 minutes and you haven't been present. And she needs you to be doing something else. And that's, so in that moment, it's like the one time when, you don't want to be trying to think ahead. You want to be right there in that second. Don't be behind. Don't be ahead. Be right in that very second that you're in. Mm. Stay there for as long as possible. Um, I always just want to ask partners when, when it's been a challenging, you know, um, a road that has been different than they thought than everybody expected or hoped for. I just always want to mention for, for people who are listening and, you know, wh- how everything's go for them, that partners sometimes have some trauma that they've gone through and because, you know, because you just pointed out that you remember everything. Yeah. And, and especially when you, this is your beloved and you're seeing them go through something and, and, you know, that sometimes it, Sometimes we might need some counseling or therapy. And I'm not saying that I think you do, but I just want to put that out there for listeners that that's just something that gets kind of put by the wayside. I think a lot is just that, oh, partners should just like buck up and be fine for everybody. But, but sometimes. No, it was very hard and it was really hard. You know, the, the actual birth process and the, and the story that we told you wasn't for me, it wasn't, traumatic but there was uh, the days after like once i was able to kind of get a little breathing room from it and kind of process everything that i'd gone through there was a little bit of of like settling in and and going like i feel like i did absolutely because for for three and a half days straight four days i i watched the person i love go through a tremendous amount of pain and that's really hard to do um, and I think not to kind of lump all men into, into one basket, but I think instinctually we are 
on the whole, we are fixers. That's what our instinct tells us to do. But you can't. There's, I mean, it's not a matter of like not being able to figure it out. You literally can't. You can't fix right. any of this. Mm-hmm. You're on a ride and it's going to end where it's going to end. Um, and you really have no say in the matter. I mean, for goodness sakes, if this story has taught anyone anything, not even she has a say in the matter, really. And so we are once removed from that. And so it, that's the, that is something that can be extremely traumatic. And, and the ability to, go, to not be able to go to your person and, and fix this for them and fix this problem. Mm. Uh, but it's, it is a mindset of just going, I can't fix this. And I don't want to fix this because this is, you know, her journey and her process and his process too. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And so you want to, again, and that just goes back to like, you're in present in that second. You're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to make it better in the way that you're going to solve it. You're just going to be there in whatever way that she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Then it, it, you're not resisting against it. You're going with it. Because um, otherwise, yeah, if you're trying to fix it constantly, you're in for a world of hurt because there's no fixing this. This is not... It's a necessary pain. It's a necessary pain. It's one of the few times in life when it's a necessary pain. Yeah. I think it also helps that I wasn't traumatized. Yeah. Absolutely. That's huge. I keep coming back to that as Chris was talking. I think you said the word mindset, and that brought me back to thinking Sarah's mindset was so beautiful and, and really a saving grace. That you just were rolling with the punches and keeping positive, and also that you had chosen a birth team that treated you with care and compassion and non-urgency, you know? I kept saying at the end of this, we're going to have our baby. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. as positive as, yep. and again, we're telling this story now 20 months out. So, you know, there we kind of like summarize it and we say how positive we were. And for the most part we were, but there were times when we were, it was really tough Yeah, and we did not know how we were going to get through this. And it wasn't like it, it, you know, that positivity was there, but it, it did ebb and flow sometimes. And so, but at the end, how could it not? I I still don't know how you guys did what you did. We kept going. (laughs) Whenever we hit that, that ebb, we would go, all right, but at the but end of this, this, we're going to have our baby. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. You keep your eye on that. We were like, we have our eye on the prize. Right. And also, it's funny, because I came out of, uh, out of after the whole thing, I'm sitting there in recovery. Emerson is sleeping in the, like, little, whatever, whatever they call that plastic box they put them in. That's the net, yep. <laughs> sure. Plast- Use that yeah. term loosely. Well, we're like, the plastics. <laughs> I know. You cite container that is yeah. literally the hardest thing yeah. ever. You the want to milk sleep jug in that? that they put your child in. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a water bed, and now you want yeah. to put him on a flat, hard surface, yeah. and you think he's going to sleep through the night? Cool, yeah. I don't know where you're living, but that's not going to happen. Um, but he was sleeping. <laughs> poor thing was like recovering himself, and Chris was sleeping, and I was wide awake. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I've been through a lot, but what did I ask? Like I, I had, you know, like whatever your belief system is, that's cool. But mine is like, like I had talked to God and I had asked, I had been like, God, please let my water break on its own. Did. 
and God, let me just be a birthing warrior. And I was. And so I was like, maybe next time when this happens, <laughs> I'll say different prayer. I'm going to be very specific. <laughs> about my let me be a birthing warrior in, let's cut the time in half. Let me have him vaginally. <laughs> like, I'm going to ask for specifics. Um, because like, that's what got me through. Like we continually said at the end of this, we are going to have our baby. So whatever we have to do to get there is what we have to do. And that's okay. Yeah. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, I have this in me. I am a birthing warrior. That is what I'm going to do. That is who I am. That is how I'm going to get through this. And I just knew that like, I have to be positive. Like I have to be positive um, because in the light of the sin, and I did let myself cry and I did have those moments where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, and, or like thinking like, what if I just like go through all of this and then like I start to push and I can't because I'm so tired. Um, and what I really learned about myself is that everything they tell you about like the last adrenaline rush is hundred percent true because after who knows how much anesthesia <laughs> and who knows how much morphine I ended up staying up the entire day I did not sleep until that night and I think I got like two hours of sleep before Emerson woke up again and needed to nurse and then the doctor the nurse came in and checked my blood pressure and all that stuff so like you really do like have it in you to go a really long time when you believe you can't do it, there will be extra strength. God will send you more. Yes. Uh, it's just yeah. like insane. If your birth plan is your goal, then when something goes wrong, you're going to be disappointed. If your goal is to have a child, then no matter what happens, it's not, it's not going to be, I'm not going to say it's not going to be traumatic, but at the end of this, you're going to come out feeling better than if your goal is the birth plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Flexibility and surrender. We've, we've talked to people who are, are traumatized by their, by their birthing experience because it was hard. And then years, 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 afterwards. And, years and years afterwards. And I, and I keep looking at, at this person, people, and, and I'm going, you know, this kid, you have your kid and I'm not, and that's not me trying to discount any horrible thing that has happened, but the end result was what you wanted it to. It is actually what you wanted it to be. You wanted to have a baby and you had a baby and, and they're here now and they're in the world. And if, and that's what I mean. If your goal for this is whatever your birth plan is, when that goes awry, you're going to yeah. hold on to that forever. Mm -hmm. you go, I didn't, I didn't achieve I didn't my goals. <laughs> But again, like if you just keep going, well, at the end of no matter what happens, Emerson is the same baby that he would have been if we had had him at home than he was when we had him in a hospital, through epidurals, through narcotics, with a C-section. Yeah, it's he's the exact same kid. Yeah, was in there. It didn't matter. No matter where he had him, we were having our baby. We were having the baby we were meant to. And the one thing that has brought us some comfort is like we made every call. Yeah, we you know, we, we were very strong in, in making the calls that we made. We knew what we wanted. We probably should have paid a little more attention about going to the hospital than we did <laughs> in birth class. When we were like, Oh, we don't need to, to listen to this part where I can go to the bathroom. Um, 
but like we made every call. So yeah. at the end of the day, when we were, you know, sitting there with our child, like that stuff goes out of the window. Okay. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want a C-section, but I, I had one. The recovery wasn't as bad as yeah. I thought it was. No be. one came in and said, you have to do this. Yeah. yeah. Everything yeah. was okay. Let's do this. Let's. Yeah. All right, we have a right and a left. We are saying let's go left. Yep. Here's your options. Pick. And we were able to, like, or they'd be like, this is what we're thinking. And we'd be like, great, or no. (laughs) Um, That's huge what you just said, because what I keep hearing from people is when, like, a key factor in a positive birth experience overall is having felt like you were heard you know, and had choices along the way that things weren't being done to you. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. And, and that's definitely a very important part. And it's, it's one of those, it's probably the number one thing that's easy to lose sight of in the moment, because whether you're in labor for five minutes or five hours or five days, you're going to be exhausted and distracted and not being able to focus. I mean, that's one of the things that could, partner will do, but also we'll, we'll take over. But also that's why we wanted a doula because a doula, that's what they're there for is to be that voice when you don't have the energy or the focus to be able to be that voice of reassuring you that you have a choice in all of this, that you, it may be two choices that you don't really love, but you can choose which one you love the least, you know? Um, and that, that was really important to us of being able to have that voice in going, um, if this is not going to go according to our plan, we're still going to choose every path that we go yeah. down because we're able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. I think that's like the first thing that people I mean, lose sight of, but it's important to remember. Also Woodhull is really good about that. Like I know a lot of people have scoffed at me when I've said I, I delivered at Woodhull. Um, among I, doulas, it has a pretty good reputation. Yeah. Fantastic. In the birth community. Yeah. Now I have, I have heard. Uh, you There's know, like one anesthesiologist. I would steer yeah. clear. <laughs> yeah. You think? <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say like they were fantastic. So at some points in my brain when I was mad, <laughs> that like <laughs> things weren't going my way, you know, like when I was one centimeter dilated and I was just like, what? Like going through four contractions and just being like, what are you saying? Like, shut up. Please don't talk to me. Um, like they were like, they were so good at just leaving us alone. You know, like we didn't, nobody was like on top of me. Nobody was like in my face about anything. Um, they were, I, I can't speak more highly of them. We had some weird nurses that like weren't going to let Chris shower at some point, but like. <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's another that's hospital really, story. Yeah, that's like I could, we could totally go into yeah. like <laughs> after giving birth because that. <laughs> whole another story but like mm-hmm. like you know everybody was fantastic and and we had great care and we got to make decisions and nobody was on top of us and nobody was like screaming c-section in my ear even though everybody i've talked to was like what how long they like you go that long that should be against the law and i'm like well i'm not traumatized by it so like, that's okay that's okay i'm fine like, I'm still going to have another baby probably. Like, like don't worry. We're good. Um, but yeah, we made decisions. We were, we felt good. We still feel good. I will yeah. say, um, the one thing I, I will just point out is like our midwives, when they came back and talked to us, 
Um, and I was, you know, I was like, I'm having a really hard time saying like I gave birth because it's hard for me to like giving birth to me is like pushing a baby out. Right. That's like, I gave birth to my son. Like I have a hard, I had a really, really hard time saying that because he was mm. in my eyes. I was like, but he was just cut out of me. And what they were like, is like, Sarah, you had everybody's birth. Yeah. You had, <laughs> did. Yeah. gave birth like five times. <laughs> People are like, Oh, but we didn't get the home birth. I'm like, we did. We were we there did. for a day and a half. Yeah, That's yeah. Home birth, okay? In a home birth. We had a hospital birth and we had a C-section, unmedicated, unmedicated. Everything. Absolutely. She did say, like, after talking to me and me being like, "Oh, you know, it's it's Emerson's birth story. Like, we love it. It's Emerson's story. It's great." Um, she was like, "I'm really in, like, we don't like to say that. Like, we're happy that somebody transfers, or that we're happy that." you had a c-section but in your case like you are the perfect candidate because you're not upset about it you know like you you have every i have lovely like memories of my birth story even though it was crazy like of my midwife sitting on the floor like waking up in between a con contraction and just like what looking over at my midwife or like watching my you know like looking over at my doula who's like holding my hand or like this beautiful sunrises or like all of the lovely like midwives that we came into contact with or like the wonderful Donald Sutherland doctor that we dealt with or the doctor <laughs> that I still don't remember her name who did my c-section who talked to me after for like an hour and a half and sat down and like chatted it up with me when I was like so what's what are like how long do I have to be here when can you can you sign me out early can I go home tonight um how long can I, before I can start running, walking, getting up the stairs, exercising, any of those things? And she like sat with me the entire time and talked me through it. So, I mean, we just had such a like lovely experience at Woodhall and yeah. I can't talk highly enough about, oh, and also I don't care what your birth plan is unless it's like a scheduled C-section, hire a doula, just do yourself a favor the best money we ever spent was on a doula. Was on our doula. Mm -hmm. um, she was amazing. And I mean, granted, like we had a really interesting story where we were in labor for a couple of days and she showed up whenever we needed her to like, and was like, I'll come back tomorrow. You need me in an hour. Call me. If she you was need. A <laughs> we were just like, yeah, yeah, she was a champion. She we were like, we champion. need to pay you more because yeah. <laughs> double your pay you went through like three bursts i was thinking about that <laughs> yeah yeah wow came back after and talked to us about our birth story and um just like you know making sure that i was okay and mm -hmm. um, and luckily I, I i recovered super easily went back to work a week later um and you know there were other things that could have happened i could have had postpartum depression and then and i could have had like emerson had you know like we had a little bit of hard time breastfeeding in some ways but like i was able to breastfeed really easily my milk came in like pretty quickly even with all of the you know narcotics um, and the all the stuff that was in stuff. me and and how long i labored and all of that you know the the stuff the kind of trauma on the body like my milk came in pretty quickly and i was able to sustain it to the fact that we're still breastfeeding at, you know almost two and um so we had some really good, you know, like we had some things that didn't go our way, but we had some really great things that did go our way. So 
Well, thank you so, so much for sharing Emerson's birth story. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. Bye. Wasn't that an amazing story? As we close out our month of cesarean stories, I just want to point your attention to the information we've linked on our show notes for each of the cesarean episodes. If you go over to birthmattersshow.com and look up episode 32 or 36, 37, or 38, you'll find a number of excellent links to resources on cesarean birth to learn more. And remember to follow us over on Instagram or Facebook at birthmattersnyc for more educational content. All right, so next week will be the last birth story for our first season before we go on hiatus for the summer. We'll continue recording birth stories for season two over the summer, so please do reach out to us if you're interested in sharing your birth story. Here's a sneak peek of what's up next week. We have two home birth stories in one episode shared by Sarah's and Chris's dear friends, Nora and Michael. You know, I love being pregnant. I love having babies, but it's it's incredibly powerful. And I think I'm, I feel really grateful that we were provided the information and the support so that I could feel that way. And, and I, you know, and I want, I hope our story inspires other people to look into all of their options because I want everyone to feel the way I felt after having a baby, (laughs) um, that empowerment. And I, no matter how your birth story turns out. And I think, you know, going back to my dear friend who put us on this path, you know, I think it's about having the support around you so that you have decisions and that you feel like you're making those decisions no matter what happens in all of those. This week, I want you to ponder the idea that you are a birthing warrior. Thanks so much for listening to the Birth Matters podcast. We'll see you next week.